This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? My guest today is Kyla Neufeld. Kyla is a poet, a freelance editor here in Winnipeg, and she is the only person I know who speaks Elvish. Kyla, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. This is going to be really interesting. I want to talk today about fan fiction. Before we start, maybe a definition. What is fan fiction for those of us who don't know? Fan fiction is works that have been created by fans of a show or a book or a video game, what have you, and they will write stories about the characters in that particular fandom. And um, yeah, they send the characters on their own adventures, basically. This sounds like what I used to do when I was in grade three. I would be like, <laughs> you know, we'd be given creative yeah. writing assignments and all I could think of was Star Wars. That mm-hmm. all, of my, all of my stories from grade three, I had a very wonderful grade three teacher who was yeah. all about creative writing. And it's all about the chipmunks, uh, He-Man and Star Wars. That's it. Well, and I think people want to make up stories from a super young age. Like my daughter is four and she will walk around the house talking to the Paw Patrol and like making up stories about them and stuff. And like- He's writing fanfic. <laughs> He's doing fanfic. That's awesome. He's exactly doing fanfic, yeah. <laughs> when did you start reading fan fiction? I've been a fanfic reader for as long as I've been a geek. Um, honestly, I, for me, it started with Lord of the Rings <laughs> uh, back when I was a teenager and I was involved in an online forum, Lord of the Rings community called uh, thewondering.com. And uh, there was a section on that website for fan fiction. And uh, when I found it, I just thought it was so cool because I loved Middle Earth so much. And I just wanted to keep reading stories in it. And I'd already exhausted all of Tolkien's actual works. So (laughs) yeah, so I found fan fiction and I... I was just super enthralled and I loved it. And ever since then, it's just something, I think I've read fanfic for every like big fandom I've ever thought myself a part of. And it's just how I experience the fan community now. So, yeah. Obviously this is a a subjective question, but for you, what makes good fan fiction? Mm. For me, good fan fiction writes the characters really well like gets to the core of the characters but also puts a puts a new spin on old tropes that does something that the show or the book didn't do it's like a new spin on on the medium good fan fiction for me (laughs) uh has to it has to keep me enthralled i have to want to just keep reading it. it has to expand on the world a little bit yeah there are lots of factors for me that will keep me reading if people are thinking just superficially about fan fiction, uh, obviously it seems like, oh, you're just copying what you do, but it can mm. be this space in which people who love something but don't see themselves in it, I'm thinking the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. yeah. can can find a space for themselves within that world. Yeah, exactly. Um, it started off a lot with women writing themselves into, into their favorite works because they weren't seeing themselves. For example, I've read, you know, I've read lots of 
of stories in which there's a female character added to the fellowship of the ring and she goes along the journey with Frodo and, and company. And yeah, I think it's because women just weren't seeing themselves in their favorite books or their favorite shows. Um, they weren't represented. And um, so they started writing themselves into those stories. And now we can absolutely expand it to people of color, people um, in the LGBTQ community, um, people with disabilities. Mm. I've like over the, you know, 17 years that I've been reading fanfic, I've seen I've seen it go from like just women to all of these other people groups because they're not seeing themselves in mainstream media. And so, yeah, I've read, I've read tons of fix in which the main characters from a show are trans or ace, or they have some sort of disability. And I think it's fabulous. Like it, people are finding space to write their own stories. Who writes fanfic? Uh, I mean, people looking to find their own the, the, their own place in stories that they mm -hmm. love. But I mean, some of these people have gone on to, you know, I hate to use the word legitimate writers, but like professional writers mm -hmm. um, who write their own her, their own fiction. What type of fan is yeah. writing fan fiction? Um, I think there's a misconception out there that fan fiction is just for like 15 year old girls, like teenage girls are writing fanfic and that's it. But actually the majority of fanfic writers that I've encountered are older women, women in their forties, thirties. And these are people who have grown up in fandoms and they've been writing for a long time and they don't stop writing fanfic just because they hit like a certain age. Like they just keep going because they've found a community. They enjoy what they're doing. They enjoy exploring their characters and yeah, lots of fanfic writers are working on their uh, own quote-unquote original works. Um, lots of them have published their own stuff. There's a writer, Shannon McGuire, who was discovered by her agent because of her Buffy fanfiction. And she's now a Hugo Award-winning sci-fi fantasy writer. <laughs> so, And actually, um, Neil Gaiman has a tweet out there somewhere about how he he won some sort of award for, um, he calls it a fan fiction, but it was like an actual work. And I can't remember what it was now, but anyway, yeah, lots of people are writing fan fiction and they're not just teenage girls. Well, and it, it kind of plays into that, you know, uneasy tension between real literature and, and, and some kind of inauthentic literature. Um, mm -hmm. Fan fiction, I, I think you would, you would argue, um, has the, the ability to be good literature. What is this tension of it's not real? Uh, like, like, where is that coming from? Hmm. Like, fan fiction's not real. Yeah. I think there might be, I think there are a couple of reasons for it. Because, yeah, there is this real sense that it's it's not real literature. It's um, It's kind of silly and ridiculous. It's not serious. And I think part of that reason is that even, even in the hierarchy of fan expression, it's it sits at the bottom. So... Like you've got people doing cosplay, going to Comic-Con and conventions and creating fan art. And all of those things seem to be really celebrated. Mm -hmm. um, like I've, you know, I've seen articles of, you know, the amazing cosplay at Comic-Con this year. And you see all these pictures of gorgeous cosplays. And same thing with Arch. Uh, I've seen lots of really great fan art out there. And I think um, part of the reason why those things are so celebrated is because they're very visible. You can see how much work goes into them. You can see how um, amazing 
cosplay and fan art can be. So I think that's part of it. Like if you're going to read fan fiction, you kind of have to like dig through archives and find the, you know, find the stuff that you enjoy. And it takes time and effort. Mm -hmm. I think the other part of it comes from um, the Mary Sue trope, actually. So the Mary Sue trope, for people who don't know, is the self-insertion, wish fulfillment um, character, like the, the female character in the Fellowship of the Ring that I alluded to earlier. So it comes from women inserting themselves into, um, into whatever they're writing about. Um, it actually comes from a Star Trek fanfic from 1974 called A Trekkie's Tale. So like it's been around for a long time, but it's sort of become synonymous in the wider community as a character who is not very well developed, who's kind of it's kind of dry, there's no real substance for that character. For example, I remember lots of critics of A Force Awakens um, calling Ray a Mary Sue. Mm. So we have this trope that's kind of the most well-known trope for fan fiction. And so everyone equates fan fiction with kind of dry, no substance because of the Mary Sue trope, which comes from women wanting to include themselves <laughs> in so fan the trope then defines the whole yeah, yeah. thing. The first part of your answer alluded to this, there's the accessibility issue, mm -hmm. whereas yes. cosplay is very public and, and, mm -hmm. and seen because of you know copyright laws. Mm -hmm people have to publish on the internet for free. And so there's this whole problem. Yeah. It's, it's like, there's no monetary value to fan fiction because you can't sell it. So it's quote unquote worthless. I think, uh, I think accessibility is actually another part of that too, because anybody can write fan fiction. Not everybody can make a cosplay or fan art for cosplay. You have to have the materials so you have to be able to purchase materials. You have to have the time to create something, to like actually sew something or make something out of, you know, cardboard <laughs> or whatever. Um, and with fan art too, you have to be able to buy the materials. You have to be able to put in the time to actually learn your craft. And if you're doing digital art, then you need the computer and the programs and the tablet and all that kind of stuff. But anybody can write fan fiction. If you want to write fan fiction, you can pick up a pen and paper and you can write your story. And so I think there's also a little bit, a bit of a mentality that because anybody can do it, it's therefore worthless mm. because you don't need to have any real quote unquote talent to do it. Within the fanfic community, what is the relationship with the creator? Are some creators more open to fan fiction than others. I mean, you know, it's, it's a dicey mm -hmm. legal field that yeah. we're, we're talking here, but it is a thriving community that people participate in. How does that work? Yeah. Um, as far as I know, it's okay. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago, listening to another podcast, um, which please, and they were talking about Rowling's response to Harry Potter fan fiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they just, they mentioned that she really encouraged fan fiction because it got people engaging with her stories and then more people wanted to buy the books, et cetera, et cetera. And I, yeah, I think, you know, between then and now, like over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I think creators have started really enjoying fan fiction or they're at least encouraging it because 
yeah, it gets their, it gets their viewers or their readers engaged. I know on Twitter, the writers of the show Lucifer, <laughs> of which I'm a very big fan, <laughs> um, they interact with people on Twitter a lot. And people on Twitter post fanfic. And so I, I know that the creators of Lucifer are seeing um, the fanfic that people are posting. And I, I actually think that they're responding to it. Um, and they, because fan fiction shows what viewers want. And I think, and they take, they take their viewers very seriously and they wanna make sure that we're really enjoying the show. So I hope, but I think that creators don't have much of a problem with it anymore because it's a really great way to get involved in a fandom. What about within the fan community, the fan fiction community itself, in terms of um, intellectual property? I understand there have been yeah. fanfic wars over plagiarism. <laughs> I was wondering how that works when you're writing in a style of someone else and using characters of somebody else, how that all plays out. Yeah, it's kind of messy. It's been an evolving conversation, <laughs> I think. Um, I don't know a ton about it, even though like I have read about some fan fiction wars from quite a few years ago when just writers were figuring out how everything works. Mm -hmm. I don't see this very often anymore, but on fan fictions, people used to include a disclaimer at the beginning saying something like, I'm not the original creator of these characters. Um, I'm not making any money off of this kind of a thing. It, and that's not so much a problem anymore. Um, so people used to be just covering their tracks for the actual creators of the show or the book. But as we said, creators are starting to really encourage fan fiction. So that's not so much of an issue. When you get um, writers plagiarizing other people's fan fiction, that gets a little bit messy because, yeah, the question is, these aren't your, these aren't your characters. How can you plagiarize the, how can you plagiarize the fanfic? But I think what it comes down to is even though the characters aren't, aren't original, the ideas and the actual writing is the story that somebody's put together for these characters is an original story. So there's an example from the Once Upon a Time fandom, which was um, a show that I was really into a few years ago. And so there was, uh, I kind of watched this happen in real time. <laughs> um as a as a lurker in the community um yeah there was one writer who essentially plagiarized someone else's work and they had started off by contact by contacting this writer and they said I'm having a I'm having a lot of writer's block but I really like your writing can I do that old college story trick where you start off with someone's writing and then you make it your own ah uh, yes the finding forester <laughs> yes and so this writer said yeah sure that's no problem and it kind of started off that way, but then this other writer ended up like just rewriting a story that was not hers. And it was very similar to the original. And so there was a ton of discussion back and forth of like people taking sides and yeah, and it was absolutely plagiarism because again, even though the characters weren't original, the actual story, like the plot and the narrative and even some of the... <laughs> Even some of the phrases were plagiarized and yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Is there a difference between an homage and fan fiction? 
I think so. <laughs> oh, um, okay, here's a story. A few years ago, a website called LitHub published an interview with an author named Lonely Christopher, who was promoting um, his new book called There. And it was a, he called it a, like a reimagining of The Shining mm -hmm. by Stephen King. And um, he said very explicitly that it was not fan fiction because it was engaging in different texts by different uh, cultural theorists. And therefore there's no way it could be fan fiction. And then, and then he said, that um, he'd never actually read The Shining, but he wrote this book with a copy of The Shining in his lap. <laughs> and that, that's not how you read. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's honestly, quite frankly, a kind of ridiculous interview, but he was very adamant that it was not fan fiction. And I think this book actually won some sort of award, although I can't remember exactly. So I don't know. I feel like to me <laughs> and to other people, this book is absolutely fan fiction. I feel like anytime you are engaging in an already published work, you're making fan fiction. I like, I think even books like Paradise Lost, Wicked, I'm reading right now The Miss of Avalon. These are all works that are reimagining or engaging with an original text and putting their own spin on them, engaging with the characters, and creating something new. That's fan fiction, <laughs> so. If the definition is a little elastic, like we absolutely, those 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 works fit. Mm. And I think like even now, it, more uh, contemporary examples, like you have Stephanie Myers basically rewriting her own story. She, she's writing mm. fan fiction about her own work. Yes. I think you could easily make the case that the new Star Wars films are fanfic to some extent, you know. Um, <laughs> Like it, mm -hmm. it seems to me that there's a, a greater appreciation maybe of fan fiction mm -hmm. when we see examples that are more public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when we're talking about the difference between like homage and fanfic, I think a lot of it comes down to just how we classify writing by women. Because if Lonely Christopher's book on The Shining can be an original work or it can be an homage to the work but what's her name I forget the author's name but there's like there's a series of continuations of um, Pride and Prejudice that explore Elizabeth and Darcy's life together and that's like that's an homage too but the problem is women's writing is consistently and continually devalued when it's categorized you've got lots of female authors whose work is classified as young adult when it's not. You've got women's writing that's classified as beach reads or guilty pleasures. And those phrases, what they do is they make the book or the work less than what it is. Yeah. Like if I call something a guilty pleasure, that means, oh, I enjoy this thing, but I know it's not really good. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to like it. It yeah. devalues it. Yeah. Or if I, if I call something a beach read, that means it's like you can read it on the beach. And if you're distracted by other stuff, that's okay. Because this particular book isn't very deep. The, the literary equivalent of junk food. Yeah. I read an article not too long ago by a writer named Dana Schwartz. Mm -hmm. And she, she writes this article about how she found her book of essays called Choose Your Own Disaster. She found it on a list for um, 
um, like top 10 guilty pleasures of the season or something like that. And her book was about eating disorders and depression. And that is not a guilty pleasure book. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but she found her book on this list. And, and her overall point is like something like that probably wouldn't have happened to Nick Hornby or mm. another writer like that. But she's a woman, so she gets to be a guilty pleasure. Mm. And she gets mm. to be fanfic instead of homage. Exactly. Yeah. This has been really interesting. Would you mind hanging out and just doing some quick question answer? Totally yes. off topic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what is something new that you are becoming a geek of? My most recent thing is Lucifer. <laughs> nice. I have yet to get into Lucifer, but I'm intrigued. Oh. Enough people I know who I respect, <laughs> like you, have liked it. So I'm. It is so good. It is, okay, here's my pitch for Lucifer. Um, it sounds ridiculous because it's about the devil mm -hmm. who fights crime and he solves murders with his um, detective partner. But it is amazing. I think it's a really good blend of murder of the week mm -hmm. with overarching um, supernatural storyline. Hmm. And the world is super interesting. Um, it's based on a graphic novel series by Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, it's a fantastic show and everybody should be watching it. <laughs> All right. Is there some, is there something people think you would be a geek for that you are not, that you could never get mm -hmm. into? Um, I think there are a few of the really big fantasy works that I've never been able to get into. I think people would be surprised about that because they know that I like fantasy, but mm -hmm. I've never been able to get into Game of Thrones or uh, anything by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> and I know that he has a huge following, but uh, I've tried reading both of those authors and I couldn't do it. And now, and, and honestly, right now, I'm just not interested in anything that's like in a medieval setting that's super patriarchal, so. <laughs> Don't kind of lim kind of limits fantasy literature right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sadly. What is the geekiest thing you own? You can define geeky however you want. Um that's a hard thing to choose because I have lots of stuff. Probably my replica of Aragorn's sword Anduril Flame of the West. <laughs> that's pretty geeky. It's wonderful. I love it. Can you say something in Elvish? Megavanen, Melonin. And what does that mean? It says, hello, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been so wonderful talking to you, my friend. Yes, <laughs> this, is a, this is a lot of fun. Good. I will have you back to talk about Lord of the Rings at some point. Because Absolutely. You, you are the person I know who speaks Elvish, and that's a commitment to a fandom mm -hmm. that few people have. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media if they're looking for you? I am on Twitter at Kyla Newfeld. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks. This is so much fun. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.